That's why they call it faith. And faith takes courage, especially when you are called to pursue some new calling in your life. I don't care what Deepak Chopra says. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a physician and a respected one. But when he began to study transcendental meditation and try to fuse Eastern philosophy and mysticism with Western New Age pop psychology, and that's the bulk of what I read of his, I get really irritated because I do not think he knows what he's talking about and he fails to back up any of his opinions. For instance, he does not believe in evil. He says, no, I don't believe in evil. I believe in a stifling of creativity. Oh, really? Okay. And there was recently a debate where he got off on a rant that faith or belief is really a cover-up for insecurity. Again, belief is a cover-up for insecurity. And he ran it on and on, but didn't back up any of it. But I so appreciated the final question that was asked of him at this little debate that he was a part of. And I just thought I'd show this. Go ahead, Philip. I want to take another question. There's a gentleman in the red shirt back there. He's had his hand up for a while. Come up to the microphone. Uh, my, my question's for, for Deepak and, and uh, the bishop. Now, you stated before that all belief is a cover-up for insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. You believe that? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah. Did you get that? All belief is a cover-up for insecurity. Do you believe that? Yes. The sad thing was, as the thing goes on, you realize he didn't get it. He just went right on. I don't believe that belief or faith is a cover-up for insecurity. I think it takes courage because real faith pursues God's call no matter what. No matter what people think, no matter what the risks are, no matter what obstacles you might face, it takes courage. And let me say at the beginning of this whole series, I'm not here this morning to tell you to have faith. I mean, that's kind of bred into, threaded into all that we are about. You come to church, you learn to have faith. I have something more specific for you this morning. I'm here to say that God is calling you. God is calling you to do something new in your life. There is some area of your life that has become perhaps stagnant or, or paralyzed or just dry. You might find yourself in some kind of rut, spiritually, emotionally, vocationally, whatever it might be, and there's no doubt that with each and every one of us here, God is calling us to do something new, to change something, to turn over a new leaf. So what is that some new calling that God is calling you to do beginning now, beginning today? Is it something you need to change? Is it something you need to separate yourself from? So my question today is not, do you have faith? But what is God calling you to do right now? You know, what's that new so what I want to do, and I know ordinarily we do this at, toward the close of many sermons, but I'd like to enter into a discipline of meditation right now. If you would bow your head and close your eyes, I want you to discern just between you and God and God's Spirit, what is that new call that God is commanding of you? Is it to turn in a new direction? Is it to break out of a rut? whether it's spiritual or emotional or relational? Is it perhaps to get rid of some anger? 
Or is it to engage in some kind of new vocation or maybe a new ministry? Maybe he's challenging you to share your faith with someone. Maybe it's a private sin that you really need to separate yourself from and leave behind. If there was one thing right now that you are certain that God wants you to shed, that you might walk in newness, in a new direction, just as Abraham did, as he obeyed God's calling so long ago, what would that be in your life right now? What would be the best thing for you to leave behind that you can walk in newness of life and faith with him? Just meditate upon that for a moment. Hear our prayers, O God. Amen. Now what I want you to do is let whatever came to your mind and to your heart serve as a backdrop for all that we're going to talk about now. As you prayerfully discern, even as I'm speaking, what do I need to do to pursue this calling to turn in this new direction? Now there are some things I want us to talk about as we study. This is the first account of Abraham's call. And there's some important general guidelines, I think, that we need to look at, some important elements as we pursue whatever this new call is. First of all, your new call is not about the God, excuse me, your new call is not about you, but the God who is calling you. Again, your new call is not about you, but the God who is calling you, and who will wind up doing great things through you. You know, why would we gather here this Sunday morning... In September of 2012, to learn about an ancient Mesopotamian Bedouin. I mean, Abraham was born around 2150 B.C. This is Mountain Brook in 2012. Why do we even gather to hear about him? Well, it really is because we're not here so much to hear about him as much as we are here to hear about the God who created him and who called him and did amazing things through him. We're here to learn about Abraham's God. It's important to understand, just like everybody else in the Old Testament, whom sometimes we seem to put on pedestals, there's really nothing special about Abraham. There is everything special about the God who called him. And that reminds us that we've got to realize that all of this is not about us. It's not about you. The whole thing is God's story, and we are blessed, we are graced simply to be a part of it. Let's look at the chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Philip, put those up. And I want you to notice one thing, that Abraham himself does not even speak at the beginning of all this, really through the first many verses, past the 11th verse. But let's look at this. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Look at all these I wills and all these blessings. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's interesting because in that first great story of Abraham, you know, Abraham doesn't come on the scene himself, God does. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind. Abraham is mute until later on in this chapter. In fact, the first time he opens his mouth, he tells a lie. I mean, he brings out his humanness, his brokenness, his, his depravity at the beginning. First thing he says is he turns to his wife, Sarah, and says, I don't want these men to take you, so tell them you're my sister. I mean, from the start, when he utters his first words, 
he shows his brokenness. And you know, it's so funny to me, too. If you look in the chapter just before, uh, the Genesis 11, what has just occurred? You remember all the peoples of the earth said, let's make a name for ourselves, ourselves. Let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens and make a name for ourselves. So they started on the tower that became known as the Tower of Babel. Why? Because the sovereign God said, I don't think so, and came down and uh, scattered everyone. Basically saying, I'm the sovereign God of all things. I created you in all things. I am Lord of the universe. And guess what? You're not. And we need to keep that in mind that, that... when we pursue a new calling, we're really living out his story more than our own. It is not about you. It's about him. And when you get to that point of being able to obey the sovereign God of all things, it's so amazing. What did he do? This was a whole, really a whole state, a whole nation of people who were wanting to build this tower, and it gets shut down. And then God takes one Mesopotamian Bedouin, one man, scatters him, sends him 300 miles west, a 75-year-old man who doesn't know where he's going. And God does amazing things through him and founds a nation, one who is remembered all these centuries later. It's about God's story and how God moves the story, not us. We've got to keep that in mind. He will work through you, but you've got to lean into his sovereignty. Secondly, your new call demands that you separate from something. Your new call means that you've got to separate from something. He's a God who separates, we know that. You know, think about what he says to Abraham. You are to leave your country, your people, even your father's household. That's what he says. In other words, leave your place, leave your race, and then leave your immediate family. Leave your household. Each one of those seems to get harder and more intense. Leave your place with which you're familiar leave your ethnicity leave your very family renounce everything and become incredibly uncomfortable for a while now one thing i thought about as i was studying this passage was why did god make him go why did he make him physically go somewhere else could he not have founded the nation of israel could he not made him father of a nation just right there in the city of ur where he was in mesopotamia Why did he make him go somewhere? And the more I pondered that and the more I studied his story as a whole, both Abraham's and God's, I thought, well, no doubt. It's because God wanted to do an utterly new thing. Just as radical as in Genesis chapter 1 when there was all darkness and he said, let there be light and there was light. He wanted to do something new, something fully creative with this one Man, so people could look centuries later, even now at Brookwood Baptist Church this morning, and say, look at how God worked through this one person. That's why he made him leave and separate off from something. Now, could you let God do that with whatever it was that you meditated about just a moment ago? Can you separate yourself off from that? Because that means change, and it means discomfort along the way. But you know what's the right thing, and God is calling you to some kind of separation. It might not be geographical, but it could be a relationship, or it could be an attitude you have. It could be bitterness or anger. It could be some kind of behavior that you don't need to be into, something that's not healthy but needs to be rather glorifying. What is that? Because, again, ultimately, it's not about you. 
And your call means that you've got to separate yourself from it. And thirdly, your new call will face challenges that will test you. No doubt, if you're even thinking about that thing that you know God wants you to do that's new and fresh and more glorifying of him, you're thinking, gosh, this isn't going to be easy. You might even be ticking off in your own mind and in your heart, these are the things I'm going to have to do in order to change that. Well, you need to do that. And you're going to face challenges along the way. One of the challenges you'll face is the challenge, obviously, of uncertainty. Just like Abraham felt uncertain. No doubt he did. God did not tell Abraham where he was going. He did not tell him at the outset what the destination was. Here's a 75-year-old man going to travel westward 300 miles. He's going in the desert to who knows where. God knows where. No one else does. He didn't have a map. God didn't even take the time, like he did later on, to tell Abraham, oh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. He didn't know what this was going to be like. An amazing act, a courageous act of faith. He says, okay, I will go. But there are uncertainties along the way when you make that new turn that you know that God is calling you to do. But there's also the challenge of what we could call the unexpecteds. If you go down to verses 6 through 8 in the passage Richard read a moment ago, I mean, think about it. He finally gets to Canaan, at least to the edge of Canaan, and, and he probably has at this point some sense that, okay, this is the place. He gets there, and is it empty? Can he just move right in? What does it say there, verse 6? It's already inhabited. It's full of Canaanites. Now, have you ever been at one of those points in your life or when you're trying to do something new and some obstacle comes along the way and you say what now what do i do now interestingly abraham continues goes southwest a bit comes back up and he winds up as it says in the verses that follow in between the towns of bethel and ai and what does he do does he sit there and stew about it sulk about it does he sit there and get all fearful no what does he do he worships He builds an altar, says it right in there. He built an altar thanking God, praising God for bringing bringing him safe thus far in the journey, even though he still did not know where the journey was going to take him. I hope that can ring in your heart as you're considering whatever this new calling, whatever this new venture is for you. You're going to face these obstacles along the way. The challenge will be, can you continue to glorify God simply for having the grace that you would be blessed enough to continue along the journey, even when you're not sure how all this is going to pan out, trusting that the sovereign God knows how it will pan out, and you're going to be okay, and that it will sustain you. Will you do that when the circumstances become difficult? Just three days ago, uh, I learned about a student of mine who just graduated, Josh Mata. He's 22 years old. He and uh, two other fellows felt led to go over to Malaysia for a year just to do ministry and share the gospel, which I thought it was great. One of his friends is John Woods, by the way. You remember Charlie Woods, uh, Don, Sanford student. But John and, and Josh and one other guy went over to Malaysia, not really knowing many people at all. And I just found out from, from a mutual friend uh, a few days ago that Josh was rushed to the ER. He started having headaches and dizziness, uh, stomach cramps, loss of appetite. He had 104.5 temperature. And so finally they take him to this Malaysian hospital. And they kept trying to discern what this was. And he was in there for days. And they basically came in and said, well, it could be typhoid. It could be E. coli. It could be some, you know, dangerous and perhaps uh, 
uh, a deadly parasite. Well, fortunately, Josh is doing better and he's staying put. And I Facebooked him the other day and just said, hey, man, praying for you. And, uh, uh, and I said, you know, just lean into God's sovereignty. And in fact, I said, I'm preaching on uh, Genesis 12 and just remember who God is. And he, and he Facebooked back quickly and said, that's exactly what I've learned, Dr. Barnett. And, and, and he said, I've learned two things. I am not God. And he said, and God is sovereign in making all things new in his way. He said, I'm just lucky to be there for the ride. And it was great. He began to quote that wonderful uh, doxology in, in Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom of God. You know, who can know his boundless, inscrutable wisdom? And then there's that wonderful verse in him that really applies to us. For from him and through him and to him are all things. In other words, God is continuing to work through Josh, even though he is literally across the globe, 22-year-old kid, doesn't know a lot of people, but he is trusting in the sovereign God of all things because I, I, I know Josh well enough to know that he knows that it's not about him. And he is trusting that in spite of these circumstances, he's going to be okay and that just as God worked in and through Abraham so long ago, he's going to do the same with this young man. Even amid the challenges, you've got to realize that he is sovereign and he will get you where you need to go. And finally, your new call will bless you, no doubt. Heard someone say recently, God doesn't always give us reasons, but he always gives us promises. I want to say that one more time, let that sink in. God doesn't always give us reasons, but he always gives us promises. He promises to bless us, to sustain us. Again, like I said a moment ago, you read through this passage, just the first three verses of what was read a moment ago. Seven times he says, I will do this, I will do this, I will. And he does not go back on his word. And he will not do that for you. He will bless you and not go back on his word. He will bless you. Seven times, I will, is in there. Five times, the word bless is in that passage. He will bless you. We're not just tools in God's hands. He created us in his image as his special children. He's not just manipulating us in some impersonal, uncaring way on a chessboard. He wants to bless us because of our relationship with him. He wants to bless us and let us be blessings to others. I hope we can grasp that. <laughs> not long before Abraham, or after Abraham sets off, he already blows it. He tells a lie. That's his first words in Holy Scripture. But God doesn't give up on him. He will not give up on you either. The wonderful passage, even we, when we are faithless, he rem- does anybody know it? Even when we are faithless, he remains, anybody know? Faithful. Why? Because it says he cannot contradict his own nature, which is what? Unconditional love. He does that out of love for you and for me. He remains faithful. So don't forget that as you pursue this new, this new calling, whatever it is, he will love you through it no matter what. And I know there is that part where it says, I will curse those who curse you. Now, does that mean I will damn people whom you want to damn? No, it's not really that intense. That Hebrew word is rooted in the same word where you get the word obstacle. It's interesting. And so what God is saying is he's not going to let other forces keep you from your goal. You might run into obstacles, but what he's saying is he will be the the obstacle to those obstacles so that ultimately those obstacles won't get in your way. He will be their obstacle so they won't ultimately overcome you so you can get where you need to go. So my question for you this morning is, are you ready to pursue that new calling? Whatever it is, it might be something more... Internal, it might be something related to work. 
It might be something in a relationship with someone. It might be something you really need to give up and separate yourself from. I don't know what it is. You and God know what it is. And are you going to be willing to pursue it? You might think, man, I don't know where to start. Well, do you think Abraham knew where to start? I remember reading about Stuart Babbage, who was a renowned physician in Australia and also a renowned Christ follower. And if you were to walk into his doctor's office, it's real interesting. He has four large pictures, almost poster size, that you find, one on each of his four walls. And you look at them and you're like, well, what is that? And you walk closer to it and it's like, well, what? And, and, and it's not much in the picture. It's mainly empty terrain, some sand, some rocks. And he just waits for all of his patients to come in there and say, why do you have these four pictures up here? Because he loves to enter it and say, because I stood right there and that was where the gates of the city of Ur were. And the city of Ur was a fertile rich little land with a rich little village there and yet abram stepped out of those gates and when he turned each of these four directions that's what he saw (laughs) virtually nothing some sand some rocks and empty space and yet he turned and went So are you willing to do that today? It would be so easy for you just to kind of keep things as they are, keep your blinders on, keep yourself in that little shell, in that little bubble, in that little shelter, and not do what God is calling you to do today. Not just to have faith. We all know that. What new thing is he calling you to do that you're keenly aware deep down that he wants you to do? And he wants you to make that move and make that turn and leave something behind and turn towards something new. What might that be? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. And again, I want you to meditate one more time. What is that that God wants you to do right now, this day? That you might walk in newness of life, newness of your journey with Him, to have a better capacity to glorify Him through who you are and what you're doing and how you're acting. Lord, this is so much easier preached than done, much easier said than acted upon. But give us the courage of faith today to follow this new calling, just as you told Abram so long ago, to shed something, to separate himself from that which was keeping him from your will and your way. Help us to dare ourselves to do the same this day. We need your help. We hope you know of our willingness and our desire to make this new move, but help us to act upon it. Give us the courage and the faith to do so. We pray these things in your name. Amen. And even now, God calls us to this table. And as we enter into this meal, we can recall in faith what Jesus Christ did for us so long ago on the cross. You talk about the greatest example of anyone who called or was called and acted on obedience. Because of his act on the cross, the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood, what a wonderful act that we can take now. And we can use this as our springboard to whatever other act he wants us to do. What a great way to begin to walk in newness of life.